if you would, turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verse 46 there in a minute and a few more besides that. If you were here last Sunday, you know that, man, it was some kind of a day, wasn't it? Wasn't that a blessing? Just wave after wave of the Holy Spirit at the end of the service until about noon, we finally decided to go on about our day. What an awesome uh, opportunity to see five or six people toward the end up here seeking and many receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit last Sunday and people being saved and set free. I mean, it was just, it was an amazing day. Of course, the Lord decided to do that. It wasn't because of this message. But the message uh, was something that set up that opportunity. God decided to use it. And because of the way things were going last Sunday, we just we ended up cutting that message in half and saying we'd give you the rest today. So I'm glad that you're back to hear that. We're talking about blind faith. And the story that we are telling last week and today is a story about a man who had been blind perhaps all of his life but he didn't want to be and he had find found a way to make it through his life in this state it had caused him to be a beggar he was making it but he didn't like the way that he was and so I want to pick this up now in the passage itself there in verse 46. It says, Jesus and his disciples went to Jericho. And as they were leaving, they were followed by a large crowd. And there was a blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus from Nazareth, he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And we learned that the word shouted there means shrieked. He's screaming. And many people told the man to stop, but he shouted even louder, Son of David, have pity on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him over. And they called out to the blind man and said, Don't be afraid. Come on, he's calling for you. And the man threw off his coat as he jumped up and he ran to Jesus. And Jesus asked, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man answered, Master, I want to see. And Jesus told him, You may go. Your eyes are healed because of your faith. And right away the man could see and he went down the road with Jesus. In, in just a few words... From Jesus, this man is healed, saved, and given purpose. And I I won't expound on this like I did last week, but simply to lay a foundation and set this up for where we're going, I would say that one of the things that caught my attention about this passage this time, having studied it more than any time in all the years I've read it, was this. A blind man ran. This is a man that probably had never ran before in his life. He gets up. He cannot see where he's going, but he runs to Jesus. This is what we would call blind faith. And last week we came up with the word blind faith runners. And we talked about the common denominators between this experience, between this man and the experience we had with Christ when we came to know him. And we found that from this passage, there were at least four common denominators. And we got to two of those last week. Very quickly, we'll hit them and then we'll move on. That 
the blind faith of this man caused him, number one, to be desperately unashamed. Do you remember? Desperately unashamed. He's screaming, he's shrieking, he's getting on people's nerves, but he doesn't care. He doesn't need to get their attention. He needs to get Jesus' attention. So he doesn't care that he's being a nuisance. We talked about how that every one of us at some point in our life, when we saw how desperate we were for the, for in need of Christ, we came to him and we didn't care what anybody else at that point, we didn't care what anybody else thought. Some of us ran down an aisle. Some of us called out to the Lord wherever we were, but we didn't care because that blind faith will make you desperately unashamed. And we also said that that condition never changes because for the rest of your Christian life while on this planet, you will operate with that same type of desperation and shamelessness every time you need him. Because every time you've gone to him that way, he's never let you down. So you'll keep going. And last Sunday when we, we talked about that, we offered that and many people got up at the end of that message and in blind faith, without any reservation, desperately unashamed, they got up and they got down to this altar and it was old school. I mean, that was the word. People calling out and crying out. It was awesome. The second thing that happened was the scripture said that he threw off his coat. And we talked about what that represented. That was his security blanket. There weren't any social programs for him. I don't know if he has a house or not. Maybe he did. I don't know. But he certainly didn't have the same things everybody else had. And he didn't have much. But he did have an outer coat. And he clung tightly to it. It protected him when he was begging. He sat with that coat around him. And basically it was his friend. It was what he clung to because it's all that he had in some instances. And how so many people have those blankets wrapped around them. And how that they need to throw those things off. They can be a lot of things. What is it that you're clinging to that's bringing you security over that of Christ? What are you holding on to because you're afraid to turn loose of it? When we were little, we would sleep with a doll or a blanket or whatever the case might be. And that little blanket or that little doll couldn't do anything to protect us, but it made us feel better about the fact that we weren't alone. Some of us are wrapped up in things like gossip and sexual sin and addictions to medications that we either got illegally or we got legally. And alcohol. All kinds of things that we have wrapped ourselves up in. And last week we jumped up and we ran down here to get free from those outer blankets. We shucked off those security blankets, didn't we? And that brings us to point three. This blind faith will cause you to do what that man did. To jump and run. I'm not necessarily talking about the Pentecostal part of that. Jumping and running. Although that's a fun part. If you get there, great for you. I'm talking about what happened in this man's life. This jumping and running. I want you to think about this with me for a minute. 
he jumps up and he takes off running in the direction of where he heard the voice coming from. He's not yet healed. He's still blind. But he's running in the direction of where he last heard the voice. Some of y'all need to let this settle in a minute. I would say to you, get it in your mind right now. When was the last time you heard from the Lord? For some of us, it was last week. For some, it may have been a year. I'm talking about on specific situations. I'm saying to you that when you're in doubt about what you should be doing for the Lord, always remember the last time you heard his voice and get back to that place. You think you need a new assignment? You think you need a new calling? You need to remember what God said to you, and until he changes that, cling to that. Keep going back to that. Some of you were called into ministry years ago, and you haven't done it yet, but every once in a while, a message like this jolts you in the spirit, wakes you up. You kind of wake up. Every once in a while, the spiritual sight gets a little bit dim, and when it gets a little bit dim, the conviction of the Holy Spirit hits you. You shake yourself. You wake up, and you start thinking, where did I hear the voice last? I'm not seeing real clear, but where did I last hear the voice? I got to get back to the voice. I got to get back to that place. Blind faith will cause people that can't see real clearly to jump up and run back to the place they last heard the voice. Somebody needs to hear that today. There's another one. Then the scripture said that blind faith caused the man to ask and believe. So Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Now listen, that's pretty specific. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? You stopped me. I was on my way and you called to me and you got my attention. You with me? You got my attention. What do you want me to do for you? And I want you to take note of his answer. Does he say, does he say, well, you know, I'd really like to do things other people do. No. I'm going somewhere with this. Does he say, well, if you're really God, I would like for you to make my life better. Because that's the prayer we hear a lot of times around the front. Not really sure if you can, but if you could, can you make my life better? You know how God answers prayers like that? Not much. The man knows what he wants and he knows who he's talking to. The reason he was desperately screaming, screaming is because he knew this was the son of God. He knows who it is he's trying to get his attention. And once he got his attention, he already had his plan formulated. I want to see. 
I don't want to just be better. I don't want to have a day like them. I don't want things to just turn around. I want to see specific prayer. When you get his attention, don't waste your or his time mumbling around not knowing what you want. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I just want to tell you a story. When we first came to this church, it was a long time ago, and this was a small church. Deb and I were so thrilled because in faith we knew what God was going to do. We knew it was going to grow. But when we came here, we took a serious cut in pay. And in the first year, we went through all of our savings just trying to exist because I knew that this thing was going to take off. We just had to wait it out. We just had to hold on because I knew it was going to come through. It was going to come around. Finally, at the end of that first year, we bought this little bitty house over in Johnson and we remodeled it the best we could and we lived in it, all four of us there for about a year, year and a half, maybe a little longer than that. It might have been three or four. I don't remember. Time gets away. But I remember that at one point, having been there for several years, I realized, Lord, things have changed a little bit. We could afford a little bit more than a $350 a month payment. That's what we were paying on that little house. We could afford a little bit more than that. And we needed a house. We needed a bigger house. And I remember the Lord saying to me, what do you want? And me beginning to pray and him impressing on me, be specific. And so I said, okay, God. Well, we need three bedrooms. We need two baths. We need a two-car garage. I wasn't asking for heated floors. As you know, you can be specific sometimes when you're materialistic and that don't get you too much. But God will supply all of your needs. We need a yard for the kids to play in. God, we just need these basic things. And I remember we were looking at houses and Deb would say that, you remember you prayed specifically, we, we can't settle. And one day when we were looking at one house, we realized that wasn't it. And as we were driving away, we passed the one that was. And we got into that house, got moved in. One day we were sitting around and we began to recall all, specifically, it was a lot more to it than what I just said. And right down the line, every one of those things were in that house. I think that some of us need to learn how to ask God for specifics. Because our prayers are too bland. God bless everybody. God save the world. Lord let everyone we know have a good day today. God's like you know what. I love you and I love all the world. But a lot of them aren't going to have a good day today. Because what I'm doing in them is more important than what's happening to them. And I'm trying to get something going in their life. And I'm trying to save a world. Somebody's going to have a bad day today. I'm trying to save a world. And I'm going to use the harsh and the hard things in people's lives in order to touch others. And you're going to have good seasons and bad seasons. And we spend our lives praying against the will of God a lot of times. If it ever means anything that's going to make a hardship in our life. We say, God, I want to be more like Jesus. And he says, okay, pick up your cross. I don't want a cross. I don't want a cross. Where do you want your nail holes? I don't want those. I don't want scars. This is going to show later. 
I want to be just like Jesus. Oh, make me just like Jesus. Really, he says. And then he asked us the question that he asked the disciples. Well, can you drink of the cup that he's going to drink of? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what they said. He said, well, you are going to drink of it. You're not going to be as anxious when you do as you were about answering today. So you're going to find yourself in these seasons, even after you've come to Christ, been filled with the Spirit and been walking with Him for a long time. Every so often, you're going to find yourself again in the situation where that you need to ask Jesus again. And in blind faith, desperately unashamed, having thrown off the cloak, jumped and ran to the spot Believing in your heart that he's the only one that can. He is the source. And then specifically saying, I need this. I really need it. It's not just that I want it. I really need it. And he says, in that case, anything you ask of me will be yours. Some people in this room today need to figure out how to make your prayer specific. You've been getting his attention in prayer. You've been getting his attention. But he still doesn't know what you want. Oh, he does. He knows everything. Yeah, he does. But he's not going to do it until you ask specifically. Mike, I put a poor missionary. Ryan Redfair. And you know, Ryan, I put him through it not too long ago. But I've known him a long time. I knew Ryan when he was GA and over at the University of Arkansas. He was working in the weight room for Coach Decker. And we used to lift weights in there together. I've known Ryan a long time before he was saved. What a transformation in that guy's life to see where God has brought him from there to there. And I love reading his letters now. It's just rich. God is touching him. He's just so, he's changing. And now he's taking his family and he's, and he's going into a very sensitive part of the world. Just little, little kids, Sophia and Ole, just little bitty kids. He's about to take his family. He came to me. He said, Pastor D, we're gonna, we're gonna go. We're going to be missionaries. And I said, well, we're going to help you. What do you need? Well, we need prayer. Got to have prayer. We need money. We need this. And I said, no. I'm your friend. So you're fixing to go and have services with people all over the state that you don't know and don't know you. And you're going to have to say that and get whatever they take. But you have a chance right now today to to tell me, your friend, what you need, and I'm going to help you. So I'm not going to do anything for you today, Ryan. You go home and you think about what you need. And after you've prayed about it and you know what you need, then you come back and you tell me what you need. So he called me in a couple weeks, two or three weeks. Pastor D, I think we have an idea. What do you need? He said, well, we need some totes because we got to call all of our stuff. I said, how much are they going to cost? $350. I said, you got it. What else you need? Well, we're going to need a computer because we're going to be so far from our family. We want to be able to correspond back and forth. I said, how much? He said, $1,500. I said, you got it. What else? He said, we're going to need this, this, this. And finally, it added up about $2,500. And I said, come on up. We'll have a check for you. And that's because you give demissions. They cried. They said, we learned so much through this process. We've, we've learned how to formulate 
what we really need. Well, then take that with you to Jesus. Take that to prayer. We say, well, how does that apply? Well, because you keep going to God and saying, give me this or I need this or whatever, or help me, whatever. Nothing's happening. And he's saying, then go think about it. When you can get specific and you know what you really need, then come back. And sometimes you figure it out and sometimes you don't. But when you figure it out and you come back with specifics, why does he want us to pray specifically? So he can reward you and you'll have a testimony. They're walking around, the Red Ferns walking around saying, we needed totes and we got them. One of the things they, that they told me, they said, we need to spend a little time as a family before we go out of the country. We'd like to take our kids maybe to Disney World or something. We just want to get our whole family. I said, then go. Pastor, you don't pay for stuff like that for missionaries. Why not? They're fixing to take their family somewhere for years, maybe a lifetime. Mike don't know it. But he and I are about to have this same conversation. And he knew that he's already been sitting there for the last three minutes. And it's been spinning because he's like, I'm next, I'm next. Carla, really, I mean, she's got a list going over there already. (laughs) God's got it all. When you say, God, heal me. Of what? God, I need healing. Okay. No, God, I need healing for this elbow because I have such and You know, let's get more specific so that when God heals us, we walk around and say, I had this going on. I had this issue of blood for 12 years and I had been to every doctor that they knew that we knew of and I had spent all my money and nobody could help me. But one day Jesus came through our place and I got his attention and I just simply grabbed a hold of his garment and he healed me and it was gone that's different than boy I sure wish you'd touch me Lord like you touched so and so and he said I sure wish you'd touch me like they did who touched me Lord, what are you talking about? There's throngs of people crowding around you. And you think somebody touched you. Oh, he said, I felt power go out of me. Ask and believe when you ask. The result, very quickly, very quickly, results. And Jesus said three things to the response of this man who comes in blind faith. Jesus responds three ways. First of all, Jesus says to him, you may go. Go where? Anywhere he wants to. All the places he hadn't been able to go before. China. You may go anywhere you need to go. Places that were off limits before. Places where doors were shut before. Where do you need to go? I'm going to tell you something. When the shutters come off and the light comes on and you can see where to go and you have the permission of the master, it's a whole lot further to go down the road with Jesus like he did. He got up from going nowhere. And in one day, with just a few words, he's going down the road with Jesus. And Jesus said, your eyes are healed. Why? Well, that's easy, Pastor, so he can see. No, there's more to it than that. 
listen to the specifics. Your eyes are healed so you can see what you could not, where you could not, when you could not, how you could not, and why you could not. Your eyes are open and now you can see. And Jesus said, your faith is strong. Oh, mine would be after that, wouldn't yours? Bam, I can see. Oh yeah, my faith is strong right now, isn't it? Stronger than it's ever been. Every test and trial causes that faith to get stronger. We say, oh God, we want to be more like you. We want to do awesome things for you. And he says that these things come by much prayer and fasting and also by much adversity and trials and hardship. You don't speak the deep word out of a shallow place. The depths and the richness of the word of God come from people who have had to live through the dark and the hard times. I can see my faith is getting stronger. I can do more than I ever could before. Blind faith got me moving. And now blind faith is going to take me all the way through this life and through death and right into heaven. Praise the Lord for blind faith. I wish somebody would just lift their hands right now and praise God for blind faith. Isn't that a crazy thing to be thankful for? Whoever praised God for blind faith. We want to praise him for I can see all the time. Everything is good. Everything is right. But in this room, God is preparing us. He's taking us. We're going someplace we've never been. And we're going in blind faith. So God's preparing us. And we're going to learn to praise him in blind faith. For 51 years, I'm concluding, I promise. Bob Edens was blind. He couldn't see anything. He felt his way through five decades of darkness. And then there was a skilled surgeon that came along and performed a procedure, a complicated operation on him. And for the first time in his life, Bob could see. And it was overwhelming. And I quote what he said. I, I never would have dreamed that yellow is so yellow. I don't have the words. I'm amazed by yellow. But red is my favorite. I just can't believe red. I can see the shape of the moon. And I love nothing better than seeing a jet plane flying across the sky, leaving behind a vapor trail. And of course, sunrises and sunsets. And at night, I, I look at the stars in the sky and the flashing light. He said, you just could never know how wonderful everything is. And everybody in this room that at one point came to know Jesus as their Savior can speak in the Spirit the same way He spoke about the physical. Isn't it amazing how much better things are when you can see? How wonderful and beautiful and incredible it is to see when up to now everything in your life had been dark. So I ask you this question. Are you tired of going through life blind and lost and alone and in the dark? Then Jesus is passing his way. How desperately unashamed are you that you will get his attention no matter what anybody around you thinks? Pastor, I'm tired of this addiction. Well, then throw off your garment. Jesus is passing his way.
Pastor, I've forgotten. I've just gotten really, I've just gotten really good with life and I've just been doing my own thing. Then you need to shake yourself and get back to the last place you heard his voice. You're here for a reason. Somebody just needs to ask and believe. Pastor, is that the only thing is separating me from this thing? I don't know. But I know that if you've not been praying specifically, it's one of the things that's separating. It might be thee. Can you formulate your prayer? And so I, I, I present this altar time to two people. Two different groups of people. First of all, those individuals that would say, I don't know Jesus but I can't leave this room without knowing him as my savior. He's got to become my Lord and my savior. And I got to give my heart to Christ. I am desperate. I'm coming with blind faith, just like that man did. Then this altar is for you. And secondly, for all of those individuals, like last week, some who came because they were, they were just desperately unashamed and they were ready to get to Jesus. And, and some of them were throwing off blankets. But today, some of you are coming down because you're heading back to the place where you last heard the voice. He's getting ready to stir up and shake up something in you. And somebody else has been praying and wondering why it's not happening. Because they haven't been praying specifically enough. And the altar is going to be open to all of you. First thing I'm going to do is open it up to individuals that want to come to know Jesus. Because I want to know who you are. We want to pray specifically with you and for you. And everybody in this room is praying right now. We're all praying for you. This could be the most important day of your life. The day you give your heart to Christ is more important than your wedding day. It's more important than your birthday. There is nothing in life more important than the day you give your heart to Christ. You don't even start living until you give your heart to Christ. You're just walking around, fumbling around in the dark, wrestling over trash that God is going to burn. That's all people that don't know Jesus have. They spend their whole lives wrestling for trash that God is going to burn. They call that jobs and wealth and power and popularity. You don't even start living until you give that up and you come to Christ as an open slate and you let him begin to work in your life. How many in this room? Everybody's praying. How many in this room would lift their hand and say, I'm that person that needs to come to Jesus today. I'm ready to give my heart to Christ. And now all across this room, any of you that would come for any reason, we're believing the Holy Spirit. He ain't going to do the same thing he did last week. He's free to do whatever he wants. We don't put him in a box and make him do things the same way twice. He's going to do this however he wants but I'm convinced that this is his word and that he will act upon his word. How many of you right now are there saying, I am the person that needs to jump and run in the direction of the voice? If that's you, get up to your feet right quick. I'm the one that's got to be, I'm being reminded today, I'm being jolted today to remember to get back to the place where I heard the voice the last time. I want that thing to be stirred up in me. There's more, there's more. Stand to your feet, don't be afraid. And how many of you how many of you would join these by saying, I'm ready, Pastor. I believe that he is the Lord Jesus. I believe that he is the source of all things. There's no doubt in my mind he's God, and I'm ready to pray my prayer specifically. Who am I talking to that's ready to ask and believe? If you're ready to ask and believe, I want you to stand to your feet. Come on, get up to your feet. I'm ready to ask and believe. I'm ready. And now... 
Lift your hands up. Just lift those hands up. Sign a surrender all over this room. Holy Ghost, you're the one in charge of this day, this time, this moment. We're not in control of all this. This was your word, not ours. This was your promise of blessing. This is your moment. This is your time. All across this room, Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, begin to let your presence fall upon these people. Right there where they're standing with their arms lifted as a sign of surrender. Brokenness first. Repentance if necessary. And then God let the rain begin to... Lord, you know what I asked you for this morning. I ask you for more than rain, God. I ask you for a flood. I ask you, God, to fill this place with your presence, not just to rain on us, but so much rain, God, that it begins to flood this altar area and work its way up until we're standing waist deep and shoulder deep over our head in the presence of the anointing. Do your work in this place today, I pray, God. Begin to fall in this place. And all across this room now, all across this room, honor. Honor what God is doing. I want you to pray. Turn this place like we do every week into a house of prayer. Just begin to call upon the Lord. Altars are open. Walk around the back. Sit in the floor. I don't care what you want to do. But this is a place of prayer. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to come in this place and do His work right now. We are blind faith runners. We are coming now, now. We're coming down right now. The altar's open. Any of you that are standing, you want to come, come on. However you want to do this, but get, get, get to that voice. Get to that place. Don't wait on a song. Don't wait for somebody to sing. Don't wait for somebody to, to gather and lay hands on you. Don't wait for somebody to, to start doing anything. This is your moment. You're not worried about anybody around you. Are you desperate? Are you desperate? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now pray, church. Pray, pray, praise and worship. Pray. We're waiting on the Holy Spirit now. He's about to, he's about to do His work in this place. Probably everywhere they go, this happens. And I certainly don't mean to embarrass them and put them in an awkward spot again. But I just sense the Holy Spirit is directing this. And I'm going to ask the broken family if they would come and stand right here. And as many of you as can, you heard their hearts. You heard their hearts, didn't you? You know what an urgent need and, and how special this calling is. And I, I want God to prepare these young men. And I want God to, to help this family as they learn that language, that it will that come easy. And, it, and it, it won't otherwise, that it will come easy. And and that he'll open doors for them financially for where they're going to live and for protection and, and for all of the, the work that they have to do. I want you all to gather around them and don't just pray, oh, God, help them, bless them and touch them. But specifically pray what the Holy Spirit puts in your heart. Come on, gather all the way around. Some of you men come and gather around these men right here. 
Come around, gather around these fellas. Come on around here. Come on around. Begin to lift them up and pray. Begin to pray. Pray in the Spirit. Pray for the power of the Holy Ghost to come upon them. Pray for the open door. Pray for health. Pray for strength. Guidance. Pray for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. All the places that they'll need to go. That God will open up the doors for them. Hallelujah, Lord, we bless you. Praise you, Jesus. Not every altar call is for every person. I understand that. And I'm not trying to be, be just to delay this whole thing. But I have one other thing that is on my heart that's heavy. And you can ha- y'all can hang around if you want. We're, I think we're going to pray for somebody else. The Lord's impressing on me that there's some people here. There's a couple of people here. This is a little different than normal. But there's a couple of people here that are under such a heavy load. The weight is so heavy. They, they just feel like they're about to break. They, they cry. They're discouraged. They're depressed. They love the Lord, but they, they're just really, really struggling. It's a season in their life where that they are really under a heavy, heavy load. And the light where they're standing right now is not very bright. It looks kind of dark and they're a little bit afraid. They don't, they've been praying. They love Jesus and that's what's getting them through. But they feel today that it's just a very dark season, a very, very difficult. Young man and a couple of young women. Come right here. Are you desperate? Are you going to stay like you were? Don't. I'm not going to stay here long. <clears throat> Pastor, I'm just. I'm just to a place where I'm just. I'm just breaking. I'm breaking under just such a heavy load. 
such a heavy load that I, I just don't feel like I can continue to bear this. I'm just distraught. Will any of you come now and help us pray? I know, I know of some of what's going on here and it is, there's some desperate situations right here, right now. I want our church, I want you to pray because there is a, there's a, there's a spiritual battle. This may not be a day for you, but we're, 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 we're in a, we're standing in a gap for somebody else. There is a major spiritual battle going on right here. If you, if you knew the hurt and the brokenness and what some of these have been through, if you could feel that the, the pain. And I need us, I need this church, I need us to combine together, pray together right now. Pray against the enemy. Pray for, pray for the Holy Spirit to grant peace and healing and strength. Will you do that? Pray all over this room. Help me right now. Pray. Seek God. Bring down, bring down the power. Bind the enemy. Bind the enemy. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. God, fill this room with power. Break these chains, I pray. Break off these chains of, of hurt.
Don't get tired, church. Don't get tired. Let's pray until. Let's pray until. Prayer is work. Let's work. Let's work. Let's pray. Let's seek God. Pray until freedom comes. Pray until healing comes. tired don't get tired it's just like in the garden Jesus is asking his disciples right now will you tarry will you pray with me are you going to sleep or are you going to pray it's a pivotal moment in somebody's life we need you pray Holy Spirit we need you we need you bring freedom Bring freedom, bring healing, bring strength. Amen. This family right here just moved here from Brazil. And this young lady right here has lived near her parents and her family probably all of her life, really close. And here she is all this far away from home by herself with her husband but any of y'all any of you ladies ever move away from all your friends and family how many of you would how many of you ladies three or four of you if you would come would you come would you come up here just i want you to come and just pray with her will you she she needs sisters she needs family here god sent them here God sent this family here. They need to be at peace. They need to be happy. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh. Good things are happening here, folks. The Holy Spirit's moving. I don't know that I've ever said this before. <clears throat> and I would be very careful about it because I, I try to protect us and I don't like crazy stuff going on. But I just I feel like right now, if, you, if, if you're one of those people that you feel like the Lord is impressing you to go pray with someone in the room. That it, I, I'm releasing you and telling you it's okay to do that. I feel I feel like we're we're very careful because we want to guard. We don't want to say crazy stuff. But if you feel like the Lord is telling you that you're supposed to speak a word of encouragement to someone and pray for them, I'm releasing you to do that right now because I feel like that there's some. This is a really unique situation where there's some chains that are being broken, and some people that need words of confirmation. And so if the Lord is is saying to you, go to someone and say this then you make sure that's what God's saying, but you're free to do it. They may really need to hear that. Yours may be the confirmation that they're needing to hear today. So I know we don't do this all the time.
but I, I, this is a house of prayer right now. The Holy Spirit speaking to a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And whatever you feel like God is saying to you, make sure, gauge it by the word and the will and the way of God. Gauge it, but then if the Lord is telling you to speak something to someone in the word of encouragement, then I want you to do that right now. You see somebody that you feel like God is telling you to just go pray for them, do it. You have no idea. You have no idea what's going on in their life. But God is calling you to pray for them. Just get up and go do it. Get up and go do it. Thank you for for being patient. Amen. I can't, I'm not going to, I can't dismiss this morning. I'm not going to dismiss this because I just, I can't dismiss his presence. But I do realize, you know, that it's what time it is, so. I want you to know that it's you're welcome to to stay, welcome to pray. Uh, if you need to go, you can go. And I do appreciate you being pre- uh, being patient here today. I tell you, two weeks from today, I want make plans, be here, let everybody know. We've got a big announcement we're going to make. Two weeks, some exciting things that are going on. Be in prayer. Really, be praying these next couple weeks. That, enemy is uh, he's he's trying to attack all of us you know that and uh, so be in prayer but uh, exciting things I'm just so excited about what God is doing and what he's what he is preparing to do this is preparation for what he's about to do not a revival two different people have spoken that to me within the last couple months the Lord spoke to their heart and told them to tell me that this was not going to be a revival because a revival is what happens when something's dead. This was already alive. This was about to be a renewal explosion. Two different people have told, have come to me and they don't even know each other and have shared that word with me. It's about to be a renewal explosion. So the storm is in full force. You know that. And uh, I'm not going to share in detail, uh, but the Lord hates me. Just or The Lord loves me, but the devil hates me. The Lord, I'm thankful the Lord loves me, but the devil hates me. And um, and ju- just this week, I, I two weeks ago, I told God, because of where we're going, I said, I want to see this vision from this side, and I'm pressing, and I'm not going to quit. And so all hell has broken loose, and um, and I'm not. And all it does is make me more resolute. I told the Lord a couple weeks ago, I said, God, uh, the devil is going to kill me if you let him. He's trying, and he's going to kill me if you let him. And he's going to have to if you don't keep him from it because I'm not going to quit. I said, I'm either come, I'm going to come home or else I'm going to see it here. And this week, just a few days ago, the devil tried to kill me. And uh, it's just miraculous thing that the Lord did to preserve my life. And so uh, I know that's not just me, but I know that happens is happening in your lives as well. And uh, he just, the, the devil hates what's happening. He hates where we're going. He hates the vision God has given us, and he hates how this is going to our church is impacting the world, and it's going to in a greater, greater way. And he will do anything; the devil will do anything he can to stop that from happening. But, uh, but the Holy Spirit is guarding and protecting His word and His vision, and it's going to come to pass. And so, uh, in two weeks, I want you to be here. We're going to have a big day, a big, big announcement. We're going to make, and we're praying about it. We're believing the Lord for some awesome things, and. Uh, just know that we're standing together. I know, I know I've know. i heard your stories. I know you're in the storm. And that's why. That's why we're there. It's because of where we're going. So we're standing there together. God bless you and I love you. 
pray for each other, uh, continue to support each other, and don't believe anything the devil tells you because he's a liar. Amen? Hope you have an awesome week. God bless you. You're dismissed.